tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study. Tonight we're going to continue the lesson that Pastor Brown had started last week, and it's called When Ye Fast. When Ye Fast, and I believe he uh, left off in page 11, but we're going to go to page well, that's page 11 in my notes. Sorry for you. Probably five in Romans 12, one and two. I apologize. Romans 12, one and two per page five. I was right. Amen. Page five in your notes. Um, and we're going to go from there. And we're just going to continue on fasting. Um, the reason why we're teaching on fasting is because uh, next month on September 6th, that is the day after Labor Day, for the next 21 days uh, starting September 6th, we are going to start um, fasting. We're going to be not just praying, but we're going to do a, a corporal fast together as a church. And we want to make sure that all of our saints are on the same page, that we understand what fasting is, um, and that we do it together because the purpose is to to come together, to unite, um, and also for the strong man of New Britain, for that um, to be broken, amen, that spirit that um, that is binding those that are lost here in New Britain to be broken, um, for us to draw closer to the Lord, to get rid of this flesh, the things that we want to do, and just do the things that he wants to do. Pastor Brown preached on Sunday, thy kingdom come, um, and and that's what he's doing. His kingdom is here. We are filled with his spirit. If we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, he is in us. His kingdom is in us, and we are to make that manifest here on the earth when he uses us, amen, to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to proclaim his word to, to those that are lost. And um, God is doing it, amen. So let's go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It reads, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you can give me a little bit more... Um, monitor or something i'm having a hard time hearing thank you by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god so our bodies are a living sacrifice. That means that we have the capability of getting off the altar. We have the capability of saying, okay, Jesus, not your will today, but my will. Or we can just say, you know what? I am going to bring my body as a living sacrifice to you each and every day. I'm going to place myself on the altar of sacrifice, and I'm going to say, Whatever it is that you want to do, do it. Your will be done, not my will. I'm crucifying this flesh. I'm crucifying whatever Marie wants to do, my desires, my passions, um, my, my personality. If it gets in the way of what you want to do, my emotions, if it gets in the way of what you want to accomplish. Lord Jesus, I'm just submitting everything. 
all of me, my thoughts, my, my speech, um, where I go, what I listen to, who I hang out with, all of those things. I'm surrendering, surrendering them to you. You are the one who directs my steps today. And, um, and we, that is a reasonable service. That is the least that we can do is to present ourselves a living sacrifice, and not just a living sacrifice, but holy. That means that I have to be intentional about being holy to the Lord because I can come to the Lord just as I am, but he's going to change me. And once I repent of my sins, I am baptized in his name, in Jesus' name, for the remission of sins, and I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, I am not my own. The Bible says that I am bought with a price. So I need to glorify God in my body and in my spirit. So I need to make sure that I am constantly doing everything I can to become holy. Whatever his word says, that's what I'm going to do. Not what Marie says, what he says, what his word says. So I bring my body a living sacrifice, but I don't stop there. I need to be holy. What does his word say about being holy? What are some of the things that are consecrated to him as holy? So we, we may get saved. Salvation is free, but we may keep mentioning it. Salvation is free, but sanctification cost us everything. It cost him everything. It cost him everything. Um, you know, my, my son and I, Eliezer and I were just talking about sacrificing things, about fasting, and earlier today, and last year sometime, the Lord had asked my husband to give up soda. And he did not want to do it. And we don't go drinking a whole bunch of soda, but he, he was like, well, maybe that was just me. Maybe that was just me asking for that. And then he just felt that prick in his spirit one more time, and he said, okay, Jesus. And, um, you know, I remember we had gone out to eat, and there was a, and he doesn't ever drink grape soda, but there was grape soda, and he saw it, and he wanted it really bad. And, um, and then he just came to, like, no, I can't do that. And giving up grape, grape soda compared to the cross is nothing. Literally, giving up grape soda versus Jesus dying on the cross. That's, that's just no comparison. There's literally no comparison to that. So talking about fasting, I am offering my body a living sacrifice, holy. What he says for me to do, what he commands me to do, I need to do it. There's just no question about it. He didn't say, you, I think you should do it. No, <laughs> you need to do it. Offer it as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, because he doesn't accept every offering. It has to be acceptable unto God. And we think that we can bring any old sacrifice, any old offering but that's not the case. If you look through the Old Testament, he was very particular about the sacrifices and how they were supposed to be seasoned and how they were supposed to be cooked and who was supposed to be doing it and how it was supposed to be served. Everything mattered to the Lord, and it still does. God is a God of order. 
He is a God of, uh, how can I put it? He is a God of order, and, and everything has measurements. Everything has measurements. You need to make this this length, and the pillars have to be yay tall. And the boat that Noah built, he gave them every dimension and the type of wood and how thick and the clothing that the priests wore. You know, you know the one that doesn't have any, any boundaries is the devil. He doesn't care. He's the usurper. He just takes whatever he wants if you let him. But God is a God of order, and he's a God of boundaries. He sets boundaries and be, because he, he does things right. He creates. Um, he puts order in chaos. The first thing he did when he created the world was place order. He divided everything. There was chaos everywhere, and he divided the waters from the land, and he started making things be proper and exactly where it was supposed to go according to his purpose, according to his design. So when God tells us to do something, it's because he says, this is what I, what I want for you. This is what is right. It's not because um, he's trying to, you know, push us to do anything, but he is God and we are not. He is Lord and we are not. He knows what's best. I don't. I don't. I make a mess of everything. So reasonable service, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. It's the least that I can do to make sure that I am holy before him, that what I offer him, which is my body, is acceptable unto him in every way. And I cannot be conformed to the world, but I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Most of the battle happens in the mind. Every single day about everything. What you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what you're going to say, everything. It happens in the mind. So that's why the mind is so important, that we need to make sure we're renewing it. We're allowing the Lord to renew it. That, that we may prove. He's saying, prove me. Prove my will. Prove that my will is first good. And then prove that it's not just good, but that it's acceptable. I want to do this. It's not just good, but I want to do it. And then thirdly, it's perfect for me. His will is not just good. It's not just acceptable, but it's perfect for me. Amen. So fasting is definitely a sacrifice, and it is one way, back in our notes, that we present ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifice. We're telling our bodies that the spiritual desires that come from the Lord are more important than the physical desires of the flesh. In this way, we are able to then have our minds renewed so that we can see the will of God in our lives. And uh, my husband mentioned it last week. You will never see the will of God in your life if you only ever follow after the will of you. That's a double-minded man. If I have my will and God's will, I'm double-minded. And that means that I'm unstable. And I'm not trusting God because I need to have a say as well in what happens in my life. So if we are going to ever 
see the will of God fulfill in our lives, then I can't follow after my own will. I have to only follow his will. Think of an athlete, athlete in training. The athlete trains his body in a certain way in order to prepare that body to be able to perform at the level he needs to in order to win. Think about it. it t- what does an athlete do? And we see that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. If I am going to excel at what I'm doing at racing, then I need to make sure that I master it. That I do my very best to win this. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They do it to obtain something that is going to die. Something that is going to perish away. But we an incorruptible, something that is going to last forever. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That means I have to make sure that I keep my body under submission to the will of God, that I'm not out here in this walk, this Christian walk, just beating the air. What am I doing? What is my purpose? What, if, I, if I'm not doing what God is wanting me to do, if, I'm not, if I don't know his will for my life, then I am just shadow boxing. I'm just beating the air. And, and I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So here I am preaching the gospel to somebody else, but I'm not doing the will of God. I'm not mastering this. I am not submitting myself to the Lord. I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing and run this race diligently. Paul said in our notes that if an athlete who is training to win a temporary prize is so diligent to train his body, how much more diligent should we be in training our flesh to be in subjection? We have to bring our flesh into subjection since there are eternal prizes waiting for us. We've got to face it. This life is temporary and we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed the next breath we take. And we need to make sure that we're living our lives, everything that, everything that we're doing, that we're living it for Christ, that we're doing what he wants us to do. We're not just out here wasting time. Book of Psalms, if I'm not mistaken, says to teach me to number my days. Because our days are so few. So we need to make sure that we're aware of the times. That we're aware that our life is but a vapor. 
One day it springs up, the next it just withers away. So I need to make sure that I'm doing the will of God and I'm bringing this flesh into subjection so that I can gain that eternal price. Paul said that he is running with certainty, with purpose. He is not just beating the air. He is going to throw a punch. If he's going to throw a punch, he wants to make sure that it hits the intended target. In this case, the target is our flesh. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. So that word keep under in the Greek is hippopiaso, to beat black and blue. Can you, can you imagine that? Beat it to a pulp. <laughs> I make it nothing. You know, Paul's name, when, before it was changed, when it was Saul, it meant desire. And then the Lord changed his name to Paul, and Paul means little. He said, I was a big shot. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I had all the degrees. I had all the knowledge. Man, I know this book from cover to cover. I'm striving for something. I want to be known. And when he came face to face with the Lord, he said, I'm nothing. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about your name being glorified. And the fact that his name was changed was a daily reminder, I must decrease. I must decrease. He is everything, and I'm nothing. So I keep my body, and I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I beat it to black and blue, to smite so as to cause bruises and livid spots. Metaphorically, it means that like a boxer, one buffets his body, handles it roughly, and disciplines it by hardships. Because let's face it, this flesh wants comfort. After a hard day of work, you want to go home, and you want to relax, and you want to take it easy. And you don't want to... You don't want to do more work when you get home. You want to be able to sit down. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't happen all the time, does it? But this body wants to take it easy. We want to find the right temperature in the room. The, you know, the right temperature for what we're drinking. Everything has to be just right because we want comfort. That's what we want. But when it comes to our walk with God, God is not calling us to a place of comfort. As a matter of fact, our walk with God is more uncomfortable than not because he's pushing us <laughs> to go further, to get to know him more, to do more for him. And so when we start feeling comfortable where we are, you better watch out. Better watch out. What's happening? Why am I feeling so comfortable um, am I, I need to strive. I need to make sure that I'm pushing, that I'm pressing, that I'm learning more, that I'm reaching. I'm, I'm, my relationship with God is not stagnant, but it's growing. And I get to know him better each and every day. How did Paul do it? How do we do it? How do we bring our flesh into subjection? Through fasting. We must learn to deny ourselves, deny our flesh, 
its appetites and desires so that the spirit can win the tug of war that is constantly occurring in our lives. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that word lust means literally desire, what my flesh wants. For the flesh, you know, sometimes we think lust as in just, uh, you know, sexual sin. It's not. It's not. It's whatever is taking my, my focus off of God. So walk in the spirit and don't fulfill the desire of the flesh, what you want to do. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're wanting two different things, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Your flesh and your spirit, they're in constant war. Constantly. You have to, like I mentioned earlier, you have to make a decision each and every day what is it that I'm going to do today? To wake up in the morning before your feet ever hit the ground and say, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Acknowledge his presence. Acknowledge him. Um, make that connection immediately. I don't want to disconnect God because if you don't make that connection, then it's going to be easier for the flesh to do what it wants to do. So from the get-go, Make that connection. Make that spiritual connection. Lord, I want to desire the things of the spirit. I want to stay connected. So do that. You know, a lot of the times we just go straight for our phone. What, you know, and, and I understand you have to check messages and maybe somebody messaged you the night before. Usually I, I'm, I'm in bed no later than 1030. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and there's a whole row of text messages and I have to make sure that it's not an emergency. But I have to literally make it a priority. This can wait. This can wait because my prayer life, my walk with the Lord, my time with Jesus, my intimate time with him cannot wait. That's the most important part in my life. That's the most important part of my day to make sure that I prioritize my time with him and everything else then falls into place. When I don't do that, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. So I have to make sure that I prioritize that. So how can we make sure our spirit wins this war that is in our members? If our flesh and our spirit are constantly at war, how can we make sure that our spirit wins the war that is in uh, within our members? Brother Lou? When we live above sin. Amen. Amen. Think about the things that would be considered sin. A good question to ask is, if Jesus was here, which he's everywhere, there's no place that we can hide from him. But if he was physically here, would I be doing this? If he was right next to me, would I listen to that? If he was right next to me, would I go there? Would he be ashamed of what I'm doing? Literally, and that'll stop you. <laughs> I hope. I hope. But you've got to think that he is always there. He's ever-present. He's omnipresent. So there's not any place that he is not. 
You think you can hide from him. You think you can hide from his presence, that you can say things, do things, hear things, go places. He's there. He was already there. You went there and he was already there saying, "Mm, maybe you shouldn't have done that, but I'm right here trying to get you to be aware that I'm here, get you to be aware that you're here. And that's what we need to do. We need to... Make sure we're constantly aware of his presence. When we, when we are, we're less likely to do, to, to sin, and we, we will be above sin. Amen. Anyone else? How can you make sure your spirit wins? Sister, try it. Amen. Amen. Discipline. It is the same word. It's from the same word. Discipline ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves with Bible reading, making him aware, um, praying, and and not just make it a routine. It's good to have routine. You need to make it a habit, but don't just let it be a habit. It's personal. It's relationship. He is real. Talk to him like he's real because he is. He's living inside of you and me. You have the Holy Ghost. If you have it, he's living inside of you. He is tangible. You can feel him. And and so you need to discipline yourself before you can disciple others. I don't want to become a castaway like we just read. I don't want to become a castaway. I can't say, and Sister Lenny and I were talking about this earlier this evening, um, do as I say, don't do as I do. That's not good. I need to practice what I preach. So I need to live it. I need to discipline myself before I can disciple somebody else. And it's the same word when you're disciplining your children. Well, how can I discipline them if I'm not disciplining myself? Discipling. Discipling. It's the same thing. Amen. So we need to feed the spirit. We need to feed the spirit and we need to starve the flesh, literally, fasting. When you're fasting, you're saying no to yourself. No, I'm not going to gratify my flesh, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whether it's coffee, (laughs) which is food. Um, You know, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to have pleasure in this. And fasting is not about having pleasure. It's about crucifying this flesh. Fasting starves the flesh, and if done properly, it feeds the spirit and exercises the spirit. We're using our spiritual muscles. And you've got to think about it this way. A, a, a bodybuilder, it, you know, it takes on weight. It lifts weights, but when you're lifting that weight, It's causing pain because you're breaking muscle. You're literally tearing that muscle apart to build new muscle, bigger muscles. It hurts. It literally hurts. And nobody talks about that in in the sense of, you know, your Christian walk with God. We expect it to be all, you know, peaches and cream. And no, this is, I am crucifying my body. 
I am bringing it under subjection. I am fasting. I'm saying no to the desires of the flesh because I want to be with the Lord forever. I want to have relationship with him. So I'm breaking some things down on purpose. I'm breaking the desires of the flesh so I can build up my spiritual muscles. So that grows. And if you don't use it, you lose it. Those bodybuilders, if they don't continue to use those weights, lift and, and use it, they're going to lose it. And it goes with anything else. If you don't walk, you're going to lose the ability to walk. If you don't move your hands, you know, you don't do certain things, you're going to become weaker. You need to exercise. It, it's just one of those things. You have to move. Otherwise, you're going to lose the ability to do the things that you are supposed to do. Fasting not only starves the flesh, um, and if done, like we mentioned, done properly, it feeds the spirit, exercises the spirit, but it also helps physically. It actually helps your body physically. It detoxes your body. It regenerates cells. Um, it, it causes your body to, to see, okay, what is right, what is wrong. So it's, it's good to actually fa fast. You're giving your body a break. That's why, you know, in the morning when you take that time to sleep at nighttime and you wake up in the morning, it's breakfast. You're breaking a fast. You haven't eaten throughout those hours. You're, you're giving your body a break. You're actually giving your mind a break, everything, to say, okay, stop working. Rest. And, and you're allowing the, the spirit to, to work. Number five, fasting combined with prayer helps release the power of God in a greater way. If we fast without prayer, we're just on a diet. What is it called? Intermittent fasting? <laughs> That's what you're doing. If you fast without praying, without seeking the Lord, without talking to him, without reading his word, you are just on a diet. You're just starving yourself. So make sure that you're combining your fast time with prayer. It does help release the power of God in your life to become more aware of his presence. We become more sensitive to him. Matthew 17, 21. How be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. The disciples could not cast out the devils in this child, but Jesus had no trouble. Why? Why do you think Jesus had no trouble? And, and Pastor Brown just preached about this not just not long ago, maybe a month ago. But why? Fasting. Right. He was fasting. He was fasting and praying. And you've got to remember that he he was he was God, but he was also 100% man. And he needed to bring his body under subjection. He had to humble himself. He had to submit his will to the Father. So he had no trouble because he fasted. He prayed. He made sure that he made it a habit. Um, that's Luke 4 verses 1 and 2. 
Jesus fasted and was led into a wilderness experience in which he was tempted for 40 days. There is nothing like going on a fast that teaches you how to fight temptation. (laughs) It'll teach you right quick. I mean, you start on the fast no more than five minutes later, and you're going for that for that juice if if you're doing a, you know just water or you'll go in the refrigerator what can i eat and everything looks good to you even if you normally don't eat it it's food and you want it it could be rye bread i mean i like rye bread it you know it could be pumpernickel it could have whatever kind of seeds in it you know that whole grain that um has the grains in it the all the grain and it tastes like cardboard and you're like it's food (laughs) i like whole grain but not everybody does but you know what i mean even a stick of celery which is like eating hair you know i just can't i i don't like celery unless it's in chicken noodle soup that's it that's it um but it still looks good to you it doesn't matter what it is. You have to fight temptation. And going on a fast teaches you, no, I, I have to say no. And it's okay to say no to my flesh. In the wilderness experience while fasting, Jesus overcame the enemy. Think about this. We were just watching a video last, I think it was last Monday, on um, it was a documentary um, about Jesus and where he was fasting the mountain that he went to fast it's just straight up desert literally i mean it's wilderness we know it says the wilderness but he's out there with the animals (laughs) jesus was no pansy okay those movies that they make of jesus making him look all girly with long hair and you know no jesus was a man's man Okay, the man camped. The man went camping. He went mountain hiking. He had cuts. He was a carpenter. I'm sure he had cuts everywhere. Splinters, you know, calluses in his hands. Um, He was a manly man. And I can just imagine 40 days of fasting, just water. And I believe from what I understand, you can go safely without water before it starts affecting your body 38 days just you know without it starting to say okay i'm breaking down this is it survival mode complete survival mode and start everything organs start shutting down 38 days and that's why the bible says that jesus hungered after 40 days he was literally that was it he was starving his body was done for but i can just imagine i mean I'm sure that the grass looked good <laughs> after 40 days. Oh, help us, Jesus. Amen. Um, in, the wilder- in this wilderness experience, while fasting, Jesus overcame the enemy. In this overcoming, there was authority and jurisdiction that was given to him as a man walking the earth he did no miracles before his wilderness experience go through the bible check it yourself 
fact check it, you know. He did not do any miracles until he went through the wilderness, until he prayed and he fasted and he had authority and dominion. Amen. So it's important. It's important to fast. It's important to crucify this flesh because we are more in tune with his voice. That's what Moses did when he was in the wilderness for 40 years. He was learning to hear the voice of God. And then he took the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. No other voices except the voice of God. They had to learn the voice of God. It's important that we learn the voice of God. When we fast, when we pray, when we consecrate ourselves to him, we get to know him better. It's, it's a still, small voice. And to hear a still, small voice, you have to be very close. If I'm whispering from over here, You might be able to read my lips, but you're not going to hear me, are you? I need to be that close to Jesus so that I can hear that still small voice. What he impresses his, you know, his will upon my life. When I hear that still small voice, I get that, that thought that I know, oh, this is the, the, the voice of God. He's speaking to me right now. I know that I know that I know his voice because I've spent time with him, because I've consecrated, because I know him. I know him for myself. I've denied my flesh, and I've made time for God. Luke 4, verses 13 and 14. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. You never know what evils you may face. But you can be sure that you will face them. You're not going to face them if you're doing your will. The devil's not going to bother you if you're not following hard after God. He's just not. But when you consecrate yourself to God, you better believe it. Hell's going to know you. They're going to know you by name. Because you're putting God first and you're doing his will. See, we're, we've been talking about thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We can't just say, well, I have this mantle or I have this gifting or whatever. Are you using it? I have the Holy Ghost. Well, how can, can how, we're supposed to tell. We're supposed to tell because we're supposed to be operating in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, not my own. So when someone comes in contact with me, they should be able to know that's a believer. That's a follower of Christ. There's something different about them. My husband mentioned it uh, on Sunday. We were at Walmart. We walk in. This guy's walking out. He just stared at us and just kind of went sideways and just kept on going past us. 
And uh, he, we just knew. We looked at each other, demon-possessed. But he recognized us. He, he just stared right at us. I see you. And, and we looked right back at him like, we see you too, you know? <laughs> um, and, and my husband mentioned on Sunday, we, we missed the opportunity. We could have witnessed to the man, and who knows what could have happened from there. We're not looking for devils under every rock. But you better know, you better be ready that if it were to happen, if you were to come against a spiritual attack or something were to manifest, that you've got the real thing. That you are full of the Holy Ghost. Not just partially full, but full and overflowing. Fasting. Fasting. Fasting and praying. <laughs> it's better to be prepared for whatever might come your way. Fasting is one way to do this. I'm just... It happened, it happened to me just yesterday. I, I think it was yesterday. Woke up in the morning. Before I woke up, had had demonic encounter. Devil's angry because we're not giving him any room at all whatsoever. And he's trying. He's trying to see where he could get in, if he can intimidate. But we need to stand firm because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If he's coming against you, he's bluffing already. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's trying to intimidate you because if he had jurisdiction if the lord allowed it he would have already done it he would have already hurt you so when it manifests know that you have the authority that one with jesus always wins you are in the majority you're not in the few you are in the majority isn't that what elisha said to his um to his servant lord open his eyes Open his eyes so that he can see a whole army. How do you get to see those things? How do you get to see those things in the spirit? How are you aware of what's happening? Prayer and fasting. And it does take all that. It does take all that. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. Because God's not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. He's not going to go against your will. But if you want this apostolic authority, if you want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to be just like him, then it is going to take all of that. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take uh, letting go of some things and not doing certain things because he matters. He matters more than anything else. So when I had that encounter, I woke up, called my husband, let him know 
I wasn't panicking. I wasn't scared. We just began to pray. And then I said, okay, let's just verify that all doors are closed, that there is no opening at all whatsoever because whatever that was is not welcome here. We've got to be ready. And if we're not ready, if we're not in intimate relationship with God, if we're not praying, if we're not fasting, then you will be intimidated. You will be afraid. You will be unstable. And you will operate in fear. And that's what the devil operates in, in fear. And you will be defeated. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Live in his love. Live by faith. Walk by faith. Breathe it in. Breathe it out. Amen? Amen. Getting excited. If you have been regularly praying and fasting, God's power can more easily flow through you so that you can handle whatever evils you may face on any given day. You know, we have um, some friends who have a witch coming to their church right now. Insane. Her, uh, I think it was her father, if I'm not mistaken, before he passed away, he came back to, he was in and out, and he came back to, and he looked at her and said, don't follow me. Don't follow me to where I'm going. It's not good. And she has some history of apostolic somewhere in there. We didn't find out about this until recently. Well, then the, our friends, you know, our neighboring pastors, went and got text messages saying, give her up. We want her back. I mean, like, insane. And she came to the church. When she came to the church, she was standing in the foyer. Let's, yeah, let's go back. She was standing in the foyer. She couldn't even go in the sanctuary. They had to invite her to come in. They had to go out there and invite her to come in. And they started singing. And she was shaking, literally shaking. And she said, I would have not come in had you not come in, gotten me. And she realized that what we have is greater than what she had. She felt it. And she doesn't want to go back. And so now, because she's felt something different, she knows it's greater, she's bringing all of her friends that are in the same, in in witchcraft with her. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those that were against are now coming. You know, come to find out there was, um, you know, trace of apostolic uh, witness. Somebody witnessed to them. Other people did not do right by them, but there was one person that was apostolic that welcomed them in and, and made them feel good but they never, you know, went after it because of everything else. And so they, they went after the fake. They went after the counterfeit, which is 
the demonic, the witchcraft. But now that they're getting an encounter with Jesus Christ, this is greater. Fear. All of that operates in darkness, and it brings fear and destruction. But Jesus is love, and he's light, and it's pure, and it's lovely, and it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. He's the greatest power. He's the greatest power. Amen. Amen. Jesus, let's just worship him for a moment. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you. We magnify you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We don't fast because we want the power. Let me just make that clear. We don't fast to get power. We fast to get into relationship with him. Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. We believe, we get in right relationship with the Lord. We love him. We get to know him, not about him. We get to know him because we can know about God and not have a relationship with God. We can read the Bible and know about God, but until you get in there and you are praying and you are seeking his face and you are feeling his presence and you are, I'm telling you, it's just different. There's this beautiful intimacy bonding that takes place. And until you have that kind of relationship where he's walking with you every single day, you will not really get to know him. You'll know about him, what he can do. You can talk about the miracles. You can talk about the wonders. You can talk about how he can deliver. But you have to experience it yourself. You have to experience Jesus for yourself. And if you don't have it, you can have it today. You can get it today. You don't have to wait until the next service. You don't have to wait until we have altar call. And Jesus will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter was just preaching, was just preaching. And as he preached, they were filled in the room. They just started speaking in tongues. So you don't have to say something necessarily profound because his word is profound and you have his spirit within you. So when you're speak, when you're speaking, it's just, it's just doing what it's supposed to do. It's going forth. And faith, faith rises and you can just get it. That's it. That's it. Amen. When you regularly pray, God will show you the hindrances in your life. When you fast, and I don't think this is in your bullet points. I think I added this. When you, when you regularly pray, God will show you the hindrances in your life. When you fast, you can break the stronghold that's causing the hindrance. Because you're crucifying your flesh. It's good to pray, and we need to pray, and God will start showing us what we need to change the things that we need to work on. But when we're fasting, we're already saying no to the flesh. So then it helps us to break that bondage, to break that stronghold that we may have. You know, you're, you're having trouble with pornography or you're having trouble with alcohol or with drugs or just being with the wrong type of people or, you know, whatever the addiction is, whatever the problem is, whatever the situation is, God will show you what it is, but fasting will help you break that stronghold. 
because you're denying your flesh. You're de denying yourself, and you are increasing. You're letting God increase in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So why do you think that the power of God flows more easily through us when we've been praying and fasting? Well, right, the, the flesh is being put under subjection. Think about this, that there's less to filter through. Less to filter through. If, all, if, if I'm spending all this time on social media and I'm spending all this time looking um, at whatever, uh, I'm watching movies, I'm reading magazines, I'm reading books, and I am not spending time with the Lord, I'm not reading his word, or I'm doing very little of it, then God has to push through all of that. All the other stuff that you've put first may not seem like you're putting it first, but if your day is filled with all this other stuff and that's all you do, then in order for him to get to you, he has to go through all of that first. So when, when I'm bringing my body into subjection, when I am praying and fasting, God is able to flow freely or easier through us because there's less resistance. There's less to filter through. There's not a clog. There's nothing that's clogging the, the move of his spirit. And we feel it stronger. It's important to fast food, but also to consecrate. We can't just fast without consecration. We have to sanctify ourselves to God in all areas. And we mentioned it earlier. We're not limited to food, to just fasting food. We need to evaluate what we are putting through, you know, in us, through our eyes, our ears, what we say, where we go, what we do. And we have to remember that we are not our own. Next bullet point. We receive power when we receive the Holy Ghost. That's Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. In fact, we have all the power we need when we receive the Holy Ghost. You will never need more power than what you receive when you first receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you have the fullness of the Godhead bodily in you. Jesus Christ, his spirit living inside of you. So all of that is in you. And it happens when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we have to exercise it. We have to exercise it. We have to live in it every single day. It's not that we need more power to defeat the enemy. Rather, it is that we need to learn how to allow the power of God that is already in us to flow through us. Fasting helps us to position ourselves so that the power of the Holy Ghost can flow. It's also important to realize that power and strength are only good when they have been regularly exercised. 
I have to submit everything to the Lord and I have to make sure that I'm using it as he says for me to use it. Otherwise, I'm wielding it. And that's not what he's asking us to do. We are under his authority. We submit ourselves to him. We submit ourselves to our spiritual authority that's over our lives. And we make sure that we use it regularly, that we are operating in it. I mean, the moment they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, they were prophesying as well. They weren't just speaking in tongues. They were also prophesying and ministering one to another. We have to exercise it. And yes, you can do that. If you want all of this, if you want all of this, you can do it. If you're willing to submit yourself to the Lord and crucify this flesh, which is what we're going to do in the month of September. And you don't even have to start in September. You can start today. Those little things. But if you just sit around, like we mentioned, and do nothing, what's going to happen? You're going to lose those muscles. You're going to lose it because you're not exercising. And it's going to turn into fat. Well, nobody likes that. No, thank you. (laughs) You get to a certain age, and now you have to work harder. You have to work harder. With the Holy Ghost, we just have to exercise it, or we're going to lose it in the sense that it's just going to be dormant. It's going to be dormant. Hebrews 5, 11, and 14, and this is not in your notes, but I feel like I needed to add it in here. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. I'll say it one more time. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, if you want to jot it down. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. What is Paul saying? You're not listening. Or the writer of Hebrews. You're, you're not hearing properly. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, so you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13, for every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Says if you're drinking milk, you're still a baby. You still don't know everything that there is to know. But verse 14 says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. If you're going to eat strong meat, then strong meat is for those that are mature, that are able to take it in. Even those who by reason of what? Reason of use. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil how am i going to discern between good and evil by exercising those things the spirit right putting into subjection my flesh allowing god to work through me exercising the senses i need to make sure that i'm constantly aware of his presence that i am not just drinking milk but i grow I grow in the Lord. I mature. I digest what is given to me in doses. You know, how does a baby learn how to feed himself? First with your hands, then with a spoon. But you have to learn. You have to do it by reason of 
use. How does the baby learn to walk? Crawling. You're rolling. You, you, you know, you're scooting. You're, you start crawling, and then you start tottering, and you fall. But it's by reason of use. You're putting your legs to use, your body to use. How does um, a child learn how to read? By reason of use. You're learning the alphabet. You're learning the words being put together, the sounds. How does a teenager learn how to drive a car? By reason of use. Get behind the wheel. Somebody teaches them the laws, right? Of, and, and, and then you put them behind that wheel and you say, this is what you need to do. How to steer the steering wheel, how to put your foot on the brake, on the gas. Make sure it's not left on park. <laughs> Don't put it in neutral either. You're not going to go anywhere. Make sure you put it on drive. By reason of use. How are we going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? By reason of use. By reason of use. How are you going to mature in that gift? By reason of use. We have to learn. We cannot afford to cripple ourselves in our walk with God. We cannot afford to cripple ourselves in our walk with God. We can't stay babies forever. We can't stay toddlers forever. We can't have milk and porridge forever. At some point, you're going to have to eat meat. You're going to have to eat potatoes. You're going to have to have some, some fiber in there, some greens. You've got to exercise it. You've got to eat the right things. You've got to do the right things. You've got to stay in his word, and you've got to fast. Let's move along. You know, when we're in the flesh, it's only going to produce weeds. It's only going to produce weeds, thorns, and thistles. You want Bible for that? Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. After the fall, the earth was cursed, and now the earth is bringing, because of sin, thorns, thistles, weeds. It's going to grow naturally now. Something that never grew before on the earth. Now because of sin, thorns, thistles are going to be growing naturally. So in order for me to not produce the bad stuff, because it's naturally going to come up now, I have to be intentional about removing that stuff and cultivating the right things. I've been watching. We've been going through a drought. It's been bad. It was so nice to have it rain yesterday and the day before. Beautiful. I was rejoicing. But in the midst of this drought, what kept on growing? It's been weeds. No lie. I'm, I'm driving around, and all I see is weeds flourishing. Weeds flourishing. But if you want to cultivate the right things, you're going to have to put some effort into it. You're going to have to water you're going to have to pull up the weeds. You're going to have to till the ground. You're going to have to uh, sow the right seeds. You're going to have to put in the work. 
if we want to see the power of God working in us, then we need to have relationship with God. And we need to make sure that we are praying and we're fasting. It's going to take work. It's not just going to come and stay there automatically. Because what's going to come automatically are the weeds, the thorns, the thistles. We have to put work into it. Romans 7, 8 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Fasting causes you to exercise your spiritual muscles. Sometimes fasting causes you to use every bit of Holy Ghost power you have. It takes power to get through a fast, and that is just to get through the physical part of it. So let's, let's get down to how to fast. Number one, always combine fasting with prayer and Bible reading. We keep repeating it, but that's the way to do it. That's the only way to do it. When you're fasting, make sure you're praying and you're reading the word of God. It's always good to start your fast with prayer. Consecrate yourself to the Lord. Talk to him. Tell him, Lord Jesus, I am going to start this fast. When you go to be also when you're about to fast, make sure you have a plan. Don't go in it and say, I'm going to start fasting and hopefully everything goes well and not plan your day. Because you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. So what am I going to fast? Am I fasting a meal? Am I fasting a couple of meals? Am I just fasting uh, types of foods? You know, am I doing a Daniel fast? Am I fasting coffee? Then I have to prepare for that. I have to detox from the coffee. I have to make sure I'm not crashing and having this ginormous headache, you know. Do, you know, cut back and then do half-calf and then do nothing, Whatever the case, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Okay, I'm not going to be eating during this time. Then I'm going to take that time that I have that break, and I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, go off to the side and just meditate on the Lord. I'm going to sing. I'm going to put some music on. I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, your will be done. Whatever it is you want to do through me, do it. Whatever the prayer points that we're going to be giving you, that's what we're going to be doing during that time but we have to make sure we have a plan we understand what we're doing because if we don't plan we're going to fail so start with prayer next don't just read the word but meditate on it chew on it and what i found often is um my greatest insights i've i've found them through fasting through prayer and fasting because again you're just more aware of his presence and you're slowing down and you should be you should be meditating on the word every single time you read the word but make sure you're meditating on it you're not just going right through well i'm fasting and i don't want to think about food so i'm just going to read everything i can from the word of god <laughs> you know no take some time get a journal write a verse out and and start breaking it down. Meditate on it. What does it say? What is God telling me now that I've breaking it? I broke it down. Uh, what is it? What is He speaking to me? Number two, put a purpose to your fast. Target your prayer toward that purpose. We're we're fasting together. That's what we're going to be doing. So for the church, for the people of New Britain, 
that we may be able to preach the gospel to every creature, that the Lord increases the seed, that he multiplies it as we're sowing, um, that we give a good testimony of who Jesus is. Um, You know, pray over every chair that is empty, that the Lord would fill it. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Let me be aware of who you want me to speak to. These are things that we need to be praying. Um, Drive around New Britain, you know, Lord, what scriptures do you want me to pray over the city of New Britain? What are some scriptures you want me to, to pray? Well, p- pray blessings. It's always good to bless. It's always good to, to proclaim the name of Jesus over his people. That's what he caused Moses and Aaron to do. They bless the people. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Bless the land. Don't curse it. Bless the land. And... Um, you know, just pray for the people, for healing, for, for uh, prodigals to come back, all these things. Make sure that you put purpose to your fast. So target your prayer toward that purpose and then target your scripture reading toward that purpose. Make sure you're reading scriptures that, that uh, talk about what you're praying and, and pray those scriptures like we were mentioning. Number three, proclaim your fast unto God. Zechariah 7, 5, speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests saying, when ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, that ye all at all fast unto me, even to me? So God is asking the Israelites a question there. He was displeased with the fasting of Israel because they weren't fasting the right way. They were literally just doing it as a ritual, as a religious ceremony. They were just starving themselves, making themselves go hungry. They weren't sanctifying themselves unto God. It just became something that they did. Our fasting must be unto God. In other words, we are not really fasting if we're if we're not putting our hearts in our minds on Jesus. So does it matter if you're hung, um, if you're, how hungry you are? If your heart and mind are not on Jesus, you aren't really fasting in the biblical sense. You need to make sure that's your focus. Your focus on the Lord when you're fasting those, um, those meals or those things. So stay away from television, movies, worldly music, reading things that are not Bible or Bible-based, etc. You've got to think about these things. What am I putting in during this fast? If I'm consecrating myself to God, then I need to take some things out that might hinder the flow. Like we talked about, what is it something that is going to clog up, you know, the, the flow of the presence of God in my life? I want to have the right filter. Um... And then I'll leave it here, and then we can continue this next week. These things will distract you from the Lord and from the purpose of your fast. And make sure that at normal mealtimes, pray or read your Bible. So we're going to stop right there, and I, I know we only have um, a few more things, but we're also going to give points, prayer points, that we're going to start praying over our city, and not just our city, but the surrounding cities, over our church, over our congregation. Um, we need to be praying the same things. Pastor Brown talked about it last week. Esther asked for, for a fast, right? 
She wasn't the only one. Ezra did too. There were many who asked, leaders that asked for a fast uh, for consecration. It's something that we need to be doing, not just individually, but collectively, so that God can do what he can only do. Amen? And that we are sensitive because we are the kingdom. And we need to make sure that it is activated, that we're activated, that we are being kings and priests all the time, that we're not taking days off. There are no days off in the kingdom of God. No days off. We're always on call, and we need to make sure that we are sensitive. Amen. Any questions before we close out tonight? And if we can all stand. It's a lot to take in in such a short period of time. Um, but it's good. Amen. Let's all close our eyes and pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful time you've given us. Lord, thank you, O God, for what you're doing in our church, what you're doing through each and every one of us. So, God, you've called us to be your servants, to be your children, O God. And and with that, Lord Jesus, comes consecration, greater consecration, greater sacrifice, O God. You gave everything on the cross. You gave your all. You gave your life for us. You became sin. You, you didn't even know sin. You didn't know what it was, but you became sin, and you took it upon yourself for me, dear Jesus. You took my punishment so that I would be saved. Lord, help us to get that desire in our spirits in our minds, Lord, in our hearts to seek after you with all of our hearts. Your word says that we will find you if we seek you with all of our hearts. So God, so help us to grow. Uh, there'd be a hunger in us, oh Lord, to seek after you like never before, to give up the things that you want us to give up. Lord, nothing is off limits when it comes to you. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is too much because you're everything. You are our portion, dear Jesus, and we want to please you. Help us, Lord God, throughout this week to be able to reflect and see what it is that you want us to consecrate unto you. What are some things that you want us to give up? What are some things, O oh Lord, that you want us to take on? Help us, Lord, to always do everything for your glory and to keep you the focus of everything. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.